My name is Jerry. Good to be here with you again. And I invite you to turn in your copy of Scripture to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to be spending our entirety together. This is the second to last week of these Stories Jesus Told series. And I hope that it's been a blessing for you. And I hope that you've really learned a lot and gleaned a lot from it. We have tried hard to mine different truths in what Jesus meant as he shared these stories with people. And I was backstage and I was just thinking about the concept that I'm going to be sharing with you guys this morning, the very same words that Jesus spoke to a crowd of people 2,000 years ago. And there's just such an unworthiness factor that just kind of poured over me when I thought about that. Like, all right, God, well, there's going to be people here and I'm going to be sharing these very same words that you shared 2,000 years earlier. And there's going to be some similarities to the people that we share them with. As you're going to see, this is a parable that is all about people that hear and understand versus people that can't even hear the truth and don't understand. So we're going to dive in right here in a, in a moment. In your copy of scripture at the top, right above the big four, it'll probably say the parable of the sower. That's not what Jesus called it, but that's what somewhere somebody along the line said, this is a good title for what this story is, the parable of the sower. And I don't know if you're kind of newer to the church scene or you know, what that means to you when you think of a sower, my mind immediately, unfortunately, goes to the element of somebody with sewing a seamstress needles in fabric when I think of a sower. Somebody who sews. And those are not good memories for me. My mom was a big sewer in that realm. And just a few weeks ago, I had to do the unfortunate deed of walk into a fabric store I was over in the Crossroads area, and perhaps you know what store I'm talking about. No names being mentioned. We don't want to get sued by anybody that hears this. But I walked into this store, and it was the first time I walked into the store in 30-plus years. And all those terrible memories of when I was a young child, spending hours and hours and hours in this fabric store immediately came back. I literally almost had a panic attack. Because I'm walking around, and there's no music. There's no vibe. Everybody looks angry. There's all these women with needles. And like I walk by the little center console where like you buy the fabric and there's like literally like 50 people standing around with their fabric, with their little numbers, 82, you know. They're, they look like they're about right. It's like a leper colony in the fabric store, right? So I got out of there as quickly as I could. I'm never gonna go back again as long as I live. Not that kind of sewing. Not that kind of sewer. This is, of course, talking about the agriculture in that society 2,000 years ago of, of planting seeds. And a sower was somebody that would broadcast his seed generously, hoping that it took and he got a crop from it. So let's just go ahead and read through the passage here, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the land on the sea. Notice how descriptive Mark is. Mark is saying, man, Jesus is lining up for a big, big production here. This is good. Things are going well. There's a lot of people that are coming to hear his words of wisdom. 
Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Still other seeds fell onto the good soil and produced a grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Verse 9, this is key. And then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's such a curious phrase that Jesus added onto the end of this parable. As he said eight other different times in the New Testament, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so there's this huge massive crowd there. There's lots of people. And I suppose that it could be that somebody was maybe maimed in an accident growing up or something or something happened and didn't have ears. But most likely everybody had ears. So why would Jesus say, he who has ears, let him hear? Because he was not talking just physically about audibly hearing something. He was talking about spiritually hearing something. And what's so brilliant about this is Jesus was basically telling them the meaning of the parable without telling them the meaning of the parable. Because this whole parable is not necessarily about the sower. It really doesn't have to do with the person that's out there throwing the seed. So this is kind of a misnomer. It shouldn't be called the parable of the sowers. It should be called the parable of the four soils. The parable of the four responses when the seed is thrown out, whether or not somebody hears it. So he's telling them the answer to the parable right out of the gate without even literally telling them he was speaking in code so some people would get it and some other people would wouldn't get it it's a very interesting literary and auditory device and technique that Jesus was using here and check this out following in verse 10 and when he was alone then with the disciples those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables and he said to them to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God but for those outside everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn aside and be forgiven. So it's just so interesting what Jesus does here. When his disciples got alone, he said, okay, now I'm about ready to reveal to you exactly what this parable means. And that's what he does in the next section. But I'm saying to myself, well, why doesn't Jesus just share this meaning to everybody? Put it on the bottom shelf for people. He doesn't do that because they just are not going to be able to understand. If they haven't taken that step to believe even the most basic elementary principles, then they are not going to understand some of these deeper principles. They just can't see it. 
Now, I want to throw up a little illustration for you as I was weeding through this. This came to mind. You remember, these were pretty popular maybe 15, 20 years ago. Maybe I don't really see them around anymore. But this whole idea that you're going through the mall or wherever you are, and they've got these giant framed pictures and it just looks like a bunch of nonsense. You know what I'm talking about? Just a bunch of little designs and there's no real rhyme or reason to it. But then if you really stare at it and you got a group of people and you're looking at it and someone's like, oh my goodness, I see what the picture is. What are you talking about? I don't see it. It's just a bunch of lines. No, really, I see what it is. Actually, I think we may have an illustration of one of those right here. All right, so I want you to stare at this very, very closely and tell me what you see. Anybody see it? Somebody's like about ready to like go crazy right now. I don't see anything on there. You don't see it? Look really, really closely. They're going to start to dance and come out at you from behind. It's a bunch of penguins. And there's a little pond right there in the middle. And there's one penguin right in the middle coming up from the ice. You don't see that? I just made the whole thing up. That's just a design. There's nothing there. No, I'm just kidding. There is something there. All right, but you get the idea. You know, you've seen those things before. That moment of clarity when all of a sudden you see what's behind and I've found if you kind of look behind like pretend that there's something two feet behind it all of a sudden it just kind of pops out at you. But that is the idea of what's going on here. Some people just can't see it. Other people are grasping it and getting a hold of it. And Jesus is saying this is why I speak things in parables. Some people are going to get it. Some people are not going to get it. I've already given them the answer. He who has ears let him hear, think, understand. That's what the parable is about. It's all about whether or not you hear and understand the word of God. Now I want to just go through each one of these and unpack some things in each one, starting in verse 13 of Mark chapter 4. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, this one is upstream. You've got to get this because it's all about hearing and understanding and doing. And then you will understand everything else that I say. He says in verse 14, the sower then sows the word. So that's what the seed is. It's God's word. It's truth. It's gospel truth. And he throws it out to a bunch of different audiences. Verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the first one that we want to talk about is the seed that's sown along the path. The hard soil. The hard soil. Now, in that culture, everybody would have known what he was talking about. There's roads, there's paths that have probably been used for hundreds of years by animals and by people cutting through the different fields. And so, of course, obviously, if you're walking on this soil, it's going to be really hard, it's going to be crusty, and no seed is going to be able to get into the ground enough to germinate. These are hard-hearted people. That just the seed, whatever you throw out there, it just kind of bounces off. You know anybody like that? There could be a number of reasons for that. It could be somebody's history, personal history. Maybe they kind of grew up in the church. Maybe you know some people or a family member that, that they grew up in the church and they've heard all this stuff before. Maybe at one time even they bought in and they believed and they you know, said that they believed or whatever. But something happened along the way. Some situation, some circumstance came crashing down on their life where they just said, you know what, all this is not true. I'm just cashing it all in. I don't want anything to do with it. 
And so anytime you're trying to, hey, can, you want to come to Christmas Eve or you want to come to Easter or man, I learned this new thing in church that I'd love to talk to you about. You're involved in conversations or something else. They immediately shut it off. They don't want anything to do with it. Scripture says those are people that are, their, their hearts have been hardened. And you get a little bit of a deeper insight because in the first part it says that the birds came down and, and ate up the seeds. And when Jesus explains it, he says, this is the enemy. The enemy swoops in and wants to take that away. He doesn't want them to see. He doesn't want them to understand. So what is our solution to that? What do we do? Well, we can pray that God continues to water and soften that hard soil. We can pray that God opens up opportunities little by little and that he's got to be the one that's going to make that soil receptive. Continue to water, continue to pour over, continue to look for opportunities and ask that God would break their heart and make them softer. But that's the first one. Continuing on to the rocky soil, here's what it says, or the thorny soil. It says this in verse 16. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. And the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So now he's talking about the rocky soil. And this doesn't just mean soil that's got some pebbles in it. This is talking about some bedrock that's underneath a layer of soil where it looks really good and it looks really fertile. And the seed goes in there and starts to, starts to germinate but it's got no root, it's shallow. And what Jesus is talking about here can be summed up in an emotional, a purely emotional decision. Notice Jesus says when, when the word was sown, they immediately received it with joy. So now we got the emotions involved like, oh yes, this is so wonderful, Jesus, you're so great. I will follow you wherever you wanna go. And that was happening. Remember where he was right now? There was thousands of people. But these were largely thrill seekers. They were part-time followers. Who's this man? And, and you know, he seems to be healing people. And he seems to be multiplying things and performing miracles. And man, I want to get a part of this. I want in on that. Emotional decisions. They immediately receive it with joy without counting the cost, without really taking into consideration what it means to be a follower. Emotions can cause us to do funny things. When we get stirred up emotionally, we might say something or we might do something that's totally out of character. You ever been there? You ever done that? You ever been in one of those settings? I remember a while ago, I was at a Promise Keepers big conference and we had gone with our church group and we were like kind of way up, you know, in the stands way over there and every day they'd have 30 or 45 minutes of worship and there's a big open area right in front of the stage and I just, I didn't want to be standing in a row, you know, like I just felt so distracted and so confined. So, so I would go down to the front and it's just wide open. I would just stand down there and I'd just get on my knees and I'd just be worshiping and connecting and wanting to hear from God and wanting to engage and that was just kind of, that was my scene. That's what I did every, every session. So I was down there, down in the front and it was a morning session. It was just a powerful set of songs and, and the worship leader said, well, we're just going to take a second. We want you to think about something. We want you to pray about something and then we're going 
gonna be entering into a little bit more worship. He stepped back, the lights went down, and they showed this video. And this was, as I remember, shortly after 9-11. And so it was one of those videos, it was only two or three minutes long, it was really short, but I don't know if you've ever been watching TV and one of these little vignettes comes on or one of these short little things that just immediately draws you in and rivets you, you know what I'm talking about? Well, that was just for me. I mean, I love New York City. I grew up in New Jersey. It's my favorite city in the world. And, and when that whole thing happened, it just, it just crushed me with fear and anxiety like so many uh, of the rest of the people in the country. But I, we knew some people that worked in the Twin Towers and I had friends whose parents worked there and, and, and it was very real to me. So we're watching this video and there's 911 operator, you know, calls there and there's people crying and there's people talking about what happened and it just, it just gripped me. It just gripped me. The fear and like, distraught and distressed and God what is this world coming to and where is this world headed and it just totally stirred me up in that three minute video and there were tears coming down my cheeks as there was with thousands of other people as we you know as we're here at this conference and we're talking about men being a man we're talking about being a leader and leading our families and leading our kids and leading our community and like this video ended and I just I do not know what happened to me to this day because I am not this kind of person but for some reason, I was just so charged up after watching that video. I turn around and everybody else, you know, I was standing in the front. Everybody else had sat down for the video. I mean, 10, 15,000 men and everybody else is sitting down. And so I look back at some of these guys and there's like everybody's wiping their eyes and everything. And I look back at some of these guys and I'm making eye contact with them. And I don't know where this came from, but my hand went back here and all of a sudden I reached in and I pulled out my wallet. And I held it up like this. And some of these other guys are like, and I'm like looking at them and I'm going like this. And then I go like, I'm not, I am not exaggerating or embellishing. I go like this. And then I go like this. And some of these other guys are like, and they're reaching back there and I'm like, I just took every bit of money that I had in my wallet at that moment, a big wad of cash, mostly ones. But I go like this and I just start shaking this money like this. And all these other guys are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they start doing the same. And I take the money and I go right up to the stage. I am not kidding. And I just threw my money on the stage. And so then all of a sudden there's a swell of like 20 or 30 or 50 other dudes that are coming up. I mean, it was like a Billy Graham crusade at the time of the invitation. There are people coming up the aisleways and these other guys around me and they're taking out their money and there's 20s and there's 50s and everybody is tossing cash on this stage. And I'm standing over there like a proud papa, just like this. I'm like, come on, uh-huh, uh-huh, make room for him over there, let's go, let's go. You got more than that, let's go, let's go. And so now there's all this money on the stage and the worship leader, you know, he's got his guitar, he's like, uh, Jimmy, I don't know what I should be doing right now. What are we... What do we do with this? I don't know. So literally, these janitors come out with these big brooms, and they sweep up all this cash into one giant thing, and they toss it in a big black garbage bag, and everybody's cheering as these guys, like Santa Claus, take this garbage bag full of cash and go right off the stage, and everybody's cheering. It's like 100% emotional decision. I don't know where that money's going, Nobody knows where it's going. You know, some janitor named Bill's like, all right, I'll take that. 
right? But it's like you're so stirred up by something and you're moved by something. That's not bad. I mean, that's a good thing. We should donate and contribute, but there's a thought process that goes behind it. Like, huh, what organizations are there that we could support and, you know, whatever. But just caught up in the moment and like that whole thing happened. Emotional decisions. And you see that Jesus had a bunch of followers that did that same thing. They were people that didn't understand the full gravity of what he was talking about. They were people that just wanted, you know, to feel good about themselves or wanted self-improvement. And that's a big problem that we have in contemporary Christianity. When we talk about the health and the wealth and the prosperity gospel, it's like, oh yeah, you can, you can have some of Jesus, you want to believe him, but do it because we're going to add all this other stuff to you. You're going to be healthy and you're going to have resources and God wants to bless you and all this. So yeah, come believe Jesus, but we're going to play on your emotions because you're so needy and I want you to come and we want you to do all this stuff and God will take care of you. You're playing on people's emotions. So immediately they received it with joy. Sure, I'd love to have Jesus. I want to be healed. Why not? But it says as soon as the sun came up, as soon as the scorching heat started, as soon as there was persecution, and tribulation and difficulty, they withered away because there was no root. Think about this quote from Jonathan Edwards. He said, fallen nature is fertile ground for shallow religion, impiously spiritual, but ultimately rooted in self-love. This was almost 300 years ago he said that. It was a problem then, and it was a problem 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, Jesus in John chapter 6 gave a reverse invitation. He was getting so many crowds coming to him that he just stood up. He said, you know what? If you really want to be my followers, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Who's in? Let's go. It's not, oh, you know, I want you to partake in this illustration that we have called communion. We have little tiny cups of grape juice and we've got bread and it represents what I'm gonna, no, he didn't explain any of that. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. You want in, that's what it is. And the disciples even came to him and they said, this is such a hard teaching. How can we do this? And Jesus said, that's what it is. If, you, if you're not gonna do this, you will have no part of me. So the disciples turned around and left. And then some, the 12 were still there and Jesus said, why are you still here? Aren't you gonna leave too? A reverse invitation, not, hey, everybody come. Hey, big crowds, we want lots of numbers. The opposite, hey, everybody go. We're not interested in shallow religion. We're not interested in people just with emotion, receiving it with joy and having no real root, not really understanding how hard it is or how fruitful it can be. They want the quick fix and that's it. So unless you want to stay with me through the difficult things, you might as well just head out the door right now at the end of John chapter 6. It's unbelievable. That's what happens with the rocky soil. Let's continue on to the thorny soil. Verse 18 says this. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. 
What's interesting about this whole illustration is, again, there's an opportunity for that, for that plant to come up. It, it's got roots, okay, but something else comes up alongside of it. And the scripture calls it thorns. And the thing about thorns right next to a legitimate plant is that they steal all of the same resources from that plant. When you talk about moisture in the dirt, when you talk about the nutrients of the dirt, when you talk about having access to the sunshine, the thorns come up right next to it and it's grabbing all that moisture. It's choking it out. It's rising up above so that it can get the sunlight and leave this one just to kind of wither away because it's choking out the life. I don't know if there could be a better illustration for us this morning where where perhaps a lot of us are. When you think about the resources that we have at our disposal of time and finances, technologies, and and, and the way we live our lives right now, we've got all the resources in the world, and yet there's all these other things that are coming up and that are grabbing at those very same things, screaming for our attention and for our affinity and for our affection. Whether it's Involvement with your kids in sports and in academics and in uh, the, the busyness of our overscheduled lives. Or even when we step back and think about um, how we're honestly spending our time and our resources and, and our treasures, our finances. Could something be reordered for us here this morning? I was recently reading and said the average church member, okay? Not somebody that just rolled in that you're just hanging out visiting. You're not really sure about the whole church thing and you're just kind of checking it out. That's awesome. We welcome you here. This was about the person who's tied in, who's saying, this is my church. I'm a member. I'm active. The average active church member attends, on average, four out of every six weeks. So a third of the time, even for the most involved ones, according to this survey, They're out. Vacationing, something else is going on, nice day outside, sports, whatever it is, a third of the time. And if you think about our present structure of church, right, an hour long, a little bit more than an hour, we speak for, you know, 35, 40 minutes by the time you get away from, you know, an introduction and this and that. I mean, it's probably, you know, about a half an hour that we're actually opening God's word and speaking it, right? So think about that. In six weeks, if somebody came four times, they would get a total of two hours of God's word on a Sunday morning. In six weeks. And what if we doubled that and took it to three months, right? Twelve weeks. So we got three months of time. And for the average Christian member of a church, you're talking about four hours in three months that you've sat under the teaching of God's word opened up. That's like... One Lord of the Rings movie. You know what I mean? If you think about it in comparison, we just want to bring to you that, man, there are all these things that are coming up and choking and taking that attention away. And man, if you're, if you're coming here, the only time that you crack open or open up on your device God's word to hear from him and listen to him and let that seed take place and germinate, the only time you do that is on Sunday morning. That's woefully short, and it's, and it's no wonder that many of us are tired spiritually and paralyzed spiritually and frail spiritually. Think about if we did that with regular food. 
yeah, I eat once a week. It's not going to happen. It's not sustainable. It's vitally important that we recognize what is coming in and taking away those affections. Now here's something that's really interesting. The word here that they said for what comes up and what robs these distractions, these hurried, busy lives, these other cares and concerns, that word thorns that it uses right there is a plant that grows about five feet or more in the air. And it's incredibly notorious for being a weed. That's why some translations talk about it's a weed. The weed comes in. But the word is thorn. And it's the same exact word that is used later on in Jesus' life when they created for him a crown of thorns. Same plant. So could it be that these things that creep in and distract and take us away and, um, and, and just get us off course from what we should be doing, could it be that those are the very same things illustrative in Scripture that are the very things that pierced our Savior's brow and added to his pain? The sins that so easily entangle us. And finally, we get to the good soil. What's in common about the first three are these are all people that did not truly understand and hear the word. The last one, the good soil, our eyes are opened up and our ears are opened up to what truly happens when we allow God's word into our lives. I've got a quick little video that I want to show to you it's show to you here. It's about two minutes and, and it's pretty powerful because what it is is a compilation of people that have not been able to hear for their whole entire lives. And because of our technology, they're able to hear sound for the first time. Check this out. Recording, Buckman. First hearing. First hearing aid. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the, the big this moment is the here. moment. She's gonna hear something. We don't really know what. I'm gonna roll the sign after pushing your head just a little bit. There you go. Creeping. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? You said you hear it. Hey, I sound. You're hearing yourself better. Okay, you can cry. That's okay. Hi, Cooper. <gasps> Hi, Cooper. <laughs> Hi, Cooper. <laughs> like an elderly munchkin, but do I sound like one now? <laughs> <laughs> Is it on? Oh my god, I can hear myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's okay. Blue. Blue. Orange. Orange. Red. Red. Black. Black. Oh, purple. Purple. 
What do you think? It's <laughs> What is it like? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so different, too. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Is it clear or does it sound That's what we're talking about right there. That's what we're talking about. Can you imagine having that job where you're the one working with the technology and allow somebody to hear sounds for the very first time? It's unbelievable. And in a spiritual sense, the illustration is so obvious that when you hear this word of God and allow it to penetrate and hear from the God of the universe through his word, something incredible happens. And that's what we get in the good soil. This is the soil that's ready. It's ready to hear. It's ready to act. It's ready to respond. And here's what it says in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. So Jesus said these are the ones that the soil is ready. It's been prepared. They're ready to receive it. The word comes out and they are able to germinate in there. They hear it. They accept it. And not only do they grow a fruit, but they grow a fruit that lasts, a fruit that endures and a fruit that multiplies. And I love that Jesus gives us these different elements, like some that you know, multiply 30-fold and some 60-fold and some 100-fold. Immediately, these farmers and these people that are so familiar with this would, would immediately be so impressed by that because what fruit has that kind of return? Normally, if you plant something and then the next year there's two of them or maybe four of them or maybe eight of them, that's huge, that's impressive, that's an incredible rate of return. But 30 times or 60 or 100, it's unheard of. And Jesus is saying, no, when you hear my word and when you accept it and if you live it out, this is going to be true of you. I am giving over that power to reproduce yourselves spiritually this many times. And Jesus is saying, I desire to do that through you. You believe that? That's the way he lived his life. Think about when he had the 70 disciples with him. And it says, and scripture says that he sent them out far ahead of him, two by two. He didn't even go with them. He's like, no, I'm just going to sit back here, kick my feet up, have some sweet tea. You guys go on. And it says that later these 70 came back overjoyed. And it says Jesus was full of joy when he saw them running back. He was laughing. Well, how'd it go, guys? They said, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, you would believe it because you're God and you knew and that's why you sent us, but you wouldn't believe what happened. We saw, we saw Satan falling like lightning and we saw miracles happen all through us and it's because of you and because of you sent us. And Jesus said, that's what my mission was from the beginning, that you would be fruitful. That's why I don't know if you've ever read that passage where Jesus says, you will do even greater works than these. Do you ever just scratch your head at that? Like, I'm possibly going to do anything close to what Jesus did, but you said not only am I going to do what you did, but I'm going to do even greater. 
It's just nonsense, right? But this is what he was talking about. Jesus just by himself on earth confined to a human body, he could only talk to so many people. He could only minister and heal so many people. He could only speak so many messages. He was saying, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pour into you guys right here and I want that fruit then to pour into the next, the greater swell of disciples that are coming and they're gonna pour into the people that are leaders of the early church and those are gonna be the ones that multiply into the, into the church throughout the ages all the way until 2,000 years from now. Jesus is like, I can only speak to so many people but I can multiply my efforts through you. I can reach hundreds and thousands and ten thousands and now millions of people through you because it all multiplies and trickles down. And this morning, we get the opportunity to really take some personal inventory and say, God, is that true of me? What 30 have I impacted? Or 60 or 100? Or what one or two people have I impacted that have then impacted people that have impacted people? That's what Jesus says. People that hear, people that understand, people that are fruitful, that's what they will do. And so maybe you're thinking to yourself this morning, well, okay, but how does this all work? I've heard truth before. What does that look like? Well, as we get ready to close, I want to leave you with three quick thoughts here. What, what should we be praying for? What is our prayer for, for our body, for our community here? Well, just real quick, if you want to write this down, these are good prayers for you to say to God as it pertains to this whole idea of whether or not you're hearing this word. Prepare me to believe it. Prepare me. Make my soil fertile and ready and prepare me, God, to believe it. How about this one? Position me to receive it. Position me to receive it. Think about this for a second. I've got just a quick little visual here. I'm not the handiest cat in the world, but I built a few things over my time. Made a lot of mistakes as well, but let's just say that this right here is you. All right, this is you, and this is the security that comes from uh, being fastened to, to God. You need that support. You need that, and this is you right here. This is um, this is the strength of God right here, the power of the Holy Spirit, and this right here is truth. Okay, so this is what is gonna rivet us and fasten us to these foundational principles right here. So you've got everything you need, right? So maybe some of you are like, all right, well, I've got the scripture right there and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, and this is me, I got it. So, you know, they're, they're, they're trying and it's just not, I don't get it. I mean, like I'm working really hard, but why won't this stick? What's going on? Why does it not fasten? Maybe for us, it's the whole idea of actually being positioned to receive this word. And maybe it's, okay, well, if I'm positioned correctly, all the other elements are exactly the same. Some of you are just waiting for me to hit my thumb, aren't you? Not gonna happen. All the other elements are the same. And so God is pounding his truth within to us because we were in that position that said, God, I'm ready now. I'm secure now. Teach me. Embed your truth in me and let that be what rivets me to a foundation that can't be moved. But maybe for some of us here this morning, it's just that element that says, God, I want to be in a position that says, I'm ready now. 
Come with your Holy Spirit. Come with your power. I'm ready to receive it. And the last one is empower me to achieve it. Empower me. Stir me up. Emotions aren't bad. I'm not saying that. Jesus called on people's emotions all the time. Just by themselves, they're shallow. Mixed together with truth and passion and knowledge, they're incredibly powerful. The book of Colossians chapter 1 Verse 29 says, for this reason I work, Paul says, working with all of his energy that works in me. Not my own, not what I'm just trying to conjure up. God, empower me to achieve it and to step out, to obey your truth, to believe your truth, to receive your truth. And your life's never going to be the same. And that's the parable of the sower, and that's what God wanted to throw out to us here this morning. So maybe as we close, this whole message is a little bit like the movie Inception. You remember the movie Inception where there's people living and then they have a dream and then they have a dream within a dream and there's all these different layers of dream, right? Well, in a weird way, this is almost what this message is about. Because for some, you don't even understand it. You're not even hearing it because you're just not there. We're gonna be praying for you that God breaks that ground and that God allows that seed to grow but for some you're hearing it so you're already here but inside of that we've got a whole nother level of hearing now that you're hearing now that you're understanding good let's go to the next level of hearing and understanding inside of that and let's talk about how can you rid your lives of these things that distract how can you be deep rooted how can you get down there and 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 persevere through trials and how can you have a good return on what god's invested in you I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the work on your hearts with all of that stuff in the application. But let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's powerful, that it's effective. And God, we just pray right now that we would be a people that have open ears to hear from you, God. That we would be so closely linked to you that we wouldn't be afraid to step out and to obey. So God, speak to us, I pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word. And let us be a people that are constantly investing and reproducing in others and discipling others. God, we want to give you the most glory possible. You deserve all the praise. We love you, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen.